coming up next in this episode. That's a mic drop right there. We're different animals when we are breathing differently. Because the fascia will grip and adhere to bone with a 2,000 pound per square inch force, if I've been sitting this way in front of a computer for 20 or 30 years, I'm magnetically sealed this way. The inflammation is really the gold, but we need to know what to do with that inflammation. Welcome to Flow, the show that will open your heart and optimize wellness by giving you the tools needed to go from our current healthcare model to self-care success. I'm your host, Kelly Kennedy, and I'm working together with my guests to help you reframe what is needed to be free and to truly live in flow by understanding how your fascia, your lymph, your oxygen, your water, and your energy all flow together to help supply you with all that's needed to live the best version of your life. Please keep in mind, this podcast is created for educational purposes only, is not intended to be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. So please do seek professional guidance for your customized care program. And what I wanna know now is this, are you ready to flow? Fabulous, let's flow together. Here we go. Welcome to Flow with Kelly Kennedy, where we talk all about fascia, lymph, oxygen, water, and energy. Deanna Hansen came into my life um, through the Fascia Summit that we are so excited to have relaunched this year. And through that awareness of our work together, of the work that we do in the world, has brought us together to unite our wisdom. And that is really for all of you listening. I'm just beyond thrilled to share Deanna Hansen with you. So Deanna, thank you so much for joining us. I'm just so, so incredibly honored to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. So tell them a little bit about your background and how you, you know, you were in fitness, all that, and then how, what shifted. If you could tell the story, she wrote a great book that I should be probably my backpack, actually. I've been carrying it around with me, even though I've read it all. I just keep holding on to it. It's hysterical. Oh, wow. So tell them a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah. So back in my younger years as a as a, a child and a teenager, I was very physically active. I was a provincial volleyball player, a Highland dancer, even though I'm not Scottish. That's a different story. Um, but I, I came into some troubles with my life when I was a late teenager and it really skewed my path. And as a result of that, I started heading down some really dark spirals in myself and my behaviors. And even though I was able to manage getting through my athletic therapy degree in university, my physical body, my emotional, mental well-being, they were really, you know, at a loss for me. So I was I was working hard though. Like having said that, I was still doing what I was trained to do as an athletic therapist regarding like changing my physical container. I was 50 pounds overweight. And the harder that I worked and the more that I dieted and all of these things, the more compressed and ballooned I became, the more toxic, the, the denser my body was. And so on top of that was this feeling of absolute failure because it wasn't like I wasn't trying. I was oh. doing what I was taught so, to do. So many people are listening going, oh my God, sister, I've been there. I've done all the right things and yet I'm getting the opposite outcome of what yeah. I'm doing. I'm gaining more weight. I'm more fatigued. I'm more tired. I'm more in pain. And yet I'm doing all the things my therapist told me to do. All of the therapists, the doctors, the acupuncturists, the chiropractors, the functional nutritionists, the naturopaths, all the people. Sorry to interrupt, but I know that they're hearing that because that is, yep. And that's why we're here. Yes. And so by the time I turned 30, I'm 54 now. I made some significant changes in my life, which actually resulted in me having even more severe anxiety attacks. Because now, I mean, one of one of the things that I did was I, I stopped drinking. I mean, that was one of my behaviors that was like taking me into negative spaces. And so I stopped. And so now I'm having to deal with my life choices without masking what they <laughs> really are. So now oh, my no. anxiety, yeah, right. So now these anxiety attacks start really ramping up. And it was this one anxiety attack in particular when I actually thought I was going to die because I was frozen. Like I was locked in that pattern of freeze and I couldn't catch my breath. And for some reason in that moment, I dove my hand deep into my abdomen. And the first thing I encountered was pain. So being 50 pounds overweight, I never touched that part of my body because I, I loathed it. I, I, you know, I pushed it away, but now I'm moving into this space. So the first thing with the pain 
the pain brought me out of that crazy pattern of thinking. It brought me to the ground and I found my breath. I'm like, okay, I'm safe. So that was the first thing. I was also shocked actually at how much pain was in there because I mean, again, I never kind of penetrated that area with any pressure. But now that I'm cycling around in that tissue with my fingers, just intuitively following some flow, I was feeling a marbling of scar tissue throughout, even though I hadn't had any injury or surgery in that area. And suddenly I'm having these aha moments. Like, no wonder when I'm coming home from a five mile run, dripping wet with sweat, my belly still feels cold. So for that first evening, I spent maybe 30, 45 minutes just exploring. And what it really brought to me was calm, which was not my normal state of being ever. So it was just this lovely sense of, okay, like I'm, I'm connecting into myself and I, I felt something different than what was typical. I woke up the next day a little tender to be expected. I went and I worked on my patients all day and came home that night. And I was really excited to dive back in because I was just blown away at the peace I was feeling. So then second night, I do a similar thing. Afterward, I stand up and the first thing I felt was taller. And I went and I looked at myself in the mirror and my belly was flatter than it had looked in years. And I mean, I was doing 400 sit-ups a day, which of course... <laughs> compressed me and ballooned me further. So like, I know all these things now, right? But at the time I didn't. And I'm just like, I'm working hard thinking, you know, if I gain more muscle, my metabolism is going to increase and all the things that we're taught to believe. Yet again, I was going in that opposite direction. So now this became my new addiction. Essentially every day I would come home after working on my patients and I would work on myself. And within two weeks, my chronic low back pain was going away. And again, just that, that hope and joy that came to me in life was so impactful. I started flipping my clients onto their backs and I started working in a similar way into their bodies. And it wasn't long before I started attracting therapists because word was getting out that whatever I was doing, you know, it was creating really fast changes for clients with a raft of different scenarios. So that was the beginning of how this all started for me almost 25 years ago. And it's it's been quite the journey since then. <laughs> As is fascia, the journey. So, right. and just for everybody to frame this a little bit. So she's Canadian for you Americans that are listening. And she was a muscle therapist, which means as an athletic trainer in, in the United States is what we call it. So she understood anatomy and physiology. A little well. different than actually um, an athletic trainer. It's it's more like a physiotherapist. Oh, okay. More like a physical therapist in this country. So it's it's high end, but it, you understand anatomy physiology. Yeah. Yeah. I find what's so beautiful about that rendition of the story, which I, you know, that was not what she gave all of that detail in the book. It was beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Is that that instinct that you just said, I don't know what this is, and to lean into the pain. And that the pain took you out of the brain patterning. And those listening, the brain patterning, you've heard me talk about this before, that that is the difficulty that we have as mammals is to get us out of that sympathetic patterning that's trying to keep us safe. And her her anxiety really got resolved when she did something very uncomfortable, which I tell you all, I ask you and suggest heavily for you all to do, which is to touch your own body. And that there are every area of your body should be touched. Yeah. All the parts, ladies and gentlemen, all the parts. Because if we aren't familiar with our body, how can we expect anybody else to understand our body? Whether that be a doctor in 10 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour and a half, or that acupuncturist that maybe spends even three hours with you that's reading your pulses, how are they going to know more than you if you don't know your body? And this is why self-care over healthcare. And then what happens is you start to connect with that innate intelligence, that flow state was what she said. Then I pushed it and I just followed the flow, my intuition, right? And that's being blissful, being in light and intuition and strength and uh, what's the other S I can't, uh, silence, silence, listening. And she just listened to her intuition in her body and she started to discover something and relieve the body of the pain that was really purposeful in getting her attention to what it really was driving home because she is living her mission. This is why all the things in her life led her to this 
so that she could share this part of her, this gift of what she is to be present, which we all are. That is our gift to be present to ourselves and to really listen to her body and quickly, this is the beauty of fascia that we're going to talk about. Quickly, it just shifts every single thing. And once you start it, it becomes the magic carpet ride that I've been talking about for three years. That's just a lot of fun to surf. And I just want to share because I love that you touched on that because for so long, and like, the, again, this journey began when I was 30. And it wasn't until I was about 37 years old that I could look back at those trials because I used to feel so much shame around who I was, my behaviors, how I was led astray from my actual path. And then by the time I was 37, something clicked for me where I looked back at that damaged young woman and I felt so much grace and appreciation for her because had I not spiraled into my hell, I wouldn't have found this. I would have been in a very different life and I don't know what it would have been, but I know I would not have found this because it was that that caused me to go through that, which surfa surfaced this. You know, many different books have said it, but I'll just say it's darkest before the dawn. You know, the truth is the truth and however you want to put it, but we have to hit rock bottom before we come up and we have to lose everything before we gain everything because it's the understanding of the chaos and the harmony and how they work together so that you can love all of it yeah. because it's it's truly that radical forgiveness right Colin Tipping's work where you just you have such an appreciation for that younger version of you that was willing to feel and go through the hardships so we could be on the other side and this is usually, I've never asked this question, but I just feel, do you feel like you live heaven on earth? Oh gosh, that's such an interesting and amazing question because I'm finally starting to again. So in the beginning of the journey, when I first tapped in for the first couple of years, it was truly magical because I was, I was learning and I was like, you know, being guided. And then it was, okay, now I really want to share this. So then I got caught up into how. How do I go from working on me one-on-one -on -one with clients to bringing this into a greater audience? So that journey, like the, the whole business aspect of work took me away from that feeling of being magical. Um, but I'm back now because now, I mean, I've, I've attracted such a beautiful team and my nephew is my business partner and that's just been amazing. But now I feel like we're at the place where we've actually like, I'm very, I'm very excited about what we've built now and how we're able to share and the support that we have. So now um, I just came back from a my, my first real like holiday yoga retreat for me. And that really set the stage going forward that, yes, this is a time for me to, you know, move into that feeling of I don't have to work so hard to get this built. It's built. Now I can be here sharing. And, and so it's, it's coming back, which is very exciting. Oh, that's awesome. I, I The reason I ask that is because I really find that with, and I've gone through the same journey, almost the exact same timing. And I, I feel though that that is why I'm so interested in people understanding the flow. Because when you're in the flow, you can get lost, but you always know where to go back home. Yeah. It, it's a magical ride and it never ends. And you got to start to enjoy the journey and all the things. But I truly feel it's the frontier. The fascia is the frontier that is the missing piece yeah. in wellness, in healthcare, in life, in understanding the universe, our bodies, how it's all connected, the living matrix of life of which we are, that we have completely gotten sidetracked as human beings on and yeah. that it's so much easier than you think it is. So now let's talk more about this belly button <laughs> and how it all started <laughs> and what so, you figured out and what you created and what you have to share with them. Yeah. So as I'm, as I'm diving in and going through this process, I also had started the practice of yoga. And the very first teacher I had was fantastic because every 30 to 45 seconds, she would be prompting us to breathe. Every time she prompted us, I was holding my breath and I thought, wow, okay. And I mean, I was an athlete, so it's, it's not like, you know, I mean, I didn't understand this stuff. However, I was, it wasn't that I wasn't able to 
connect to breathing. I wasn't able to connect to diaphragmatic breathing because I was a Highland dancer, hold your belly in. So when we're doing these actions, we shift the way that we breathe. So I became very aware of how locked my abdomen was. So through the process of working with my hands first in my belly, I was creating this lightness, this added space, this ability to connect more deeply to that muscle. And that really was the foundational pillar that I recognized was missing in my body because I had no connection. Now, since then, I've learned so much about the breath. And I think it was Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now when I loved his um, discussion on diaphragmatic breathing. He says, when we're breathing diaphragmatically, we're living in the moment. God lives in the moment and it connects us to that parasympathetic relaxed brain frequency. When we're breathing up through here, connected to fear, um, past and future, stressed brain frequency. So suddenly like it was all coming together in my mind because I'm recognizing, wow, like even if I'm in a calm space in the moment, my, my body's under stress. And to understand that even if I'm in a stressed situation, my internal world can be relaxed through understanding how to manage that breath was so impactful because that was the first thing that I recognized was diving into this space. I learned how to move that belly and it took a little bit because when I was so collapsed and so um, compressed and frozen, the, the fascia will literally lock and seal the rib cage, manipulating the diaphragm from being able to fully work. So when we're working the diaphragm fully through the process of releasing the fascia in that space, we get to pull the air more deeply into the lungs to increase oxygen absorption up to six times. I first read that in Stephen Cope's book, Yoga and the Quest for the True Self. He has a great chapter on the difference between the conscious and the unconscious breather. And it's fascinating. Yoga, what was, I'm a book whore. What was the oh. title of it? Yoga and the Quest for something? Yoga and the Quest for the True Self. <laughs> Thank you. If I don't buy a book a day, I feel like I'm not, I'm not living or something. <laughs> And so he goes into the different like physiology of the chest breather compared to the diaphragmatic breather. And we're like literally different animals when we're one or the other. And oh, it's that's a mic drop right there. We're different animals when we are breathing differently. Yeah. That is gold. No, that's platinum or I don't know what's higher than that. <laughs> it, that's helium. That's helium right there. That's there spirit kill right there. <laughs> Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Thank you. So, and at the belly button are the 72,000 currents called Maddies that distribute the life force through the body. This is where we're connected, oh, obviously, that. to the mother as we grow. So when we have compression, which we all do in the core of the body, we are literally strangling our life force. And that happens when we don't have a strong diaphragm, because if we think about it here, so here's the diaphragm. If we're properly aligned. Anatomically exquisite. Look, <laughs> if we're not watching this, go stop what you're doing and go watch this, because she is literally an anatomical picture of health. Thank you. Sorry. So the diaphragm is the foundation of the, the core or the rib cage and everything above. When it works properly, as we inhale, it moves down in the body. As we exhale, it lifts. The exhale is actually the counterforce to gravity for all of those who are interested in the anti-aging properties of this work. So when we're working this muscle properly, we're getting a continual massage to all of the organs in through here, and that creates heating. However, when we're not conscious diaphragmatic breathers, the weight of the rib cage and everything above comes crashing down into the core, displaces the belly forward, displaces the organs. We get adhesions riddled throughout that creates an influx of inflammation. If we're not breathing, we don't actually utilize that inflammation because inflammation requires heating or energy to actually turn on all of those healing proteins so that they can do their job. So if we're not doing that, the body's still reading this area as needing more help, needing more help. Let's send more and more and more. And then we all get stuck with this issue of chronic inflammation. However, the inflammation is really the gold but we need to know what to do with that inflammation. So the challenge with fascia is because the fascia will grip in it here to bone with a 2000 pound per square inch force. If I've been sitting this way in front of a computer for 20 or 30 years, I'm magnetically sealed this way. So now this plate of muscle, it's getting manipulated and frozen, kind of like a frozen shoulder. So through the process of fascia decompression, we release those adhesions that have locked that diaphragm out of alignment 
and then through the instruction of really focusing on that exhalation phase of the breath to move the past out first to create space for the new coming in. Then we start pumping that life force through our body more efficiently and effectively. And the heating, the combined action of turning on the diaphragm, which is like the body's furnace compared to the space heater, the weaker muscles of the upper chest that we all fall into as patterning, that combined with working the tool on your body for a minimum of three minutes where pressure over time creates heat. We create heat internally and externally to start melting those adhesions all the way to the root of the problem at the bone. And that's going to drive core core temperature up as well. And as yeah. you're talking and thinking about, <laughs> I, I've had a lot of postural issues my whole life, long, long story. But reality is that I've had so many people try to help me walk differently. You know, because, oh, your core, you need more core strength. You know, I was athletic too. So I was like always trying to do these crunches and these core strength, core strength, core strength. And I wasn't present to it until you just told all that story that it was really the 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 uh, science of breath as I started to really understand yoga, not from a stretching perspective like I did yeah. from all those years hurting myself and pulling and manipulating my fascia, making it worse versus doing the art of breath work. And it was it was sitting literally how I'm sitting right now that was the most painful way and I and weak. I could not hold this posture. And when I saw you on that camera, in hindsight, I realized it was so evident your core strength. But I think of core strength now so differently than I did as an athlete. Because core strength, we think six pack and, you know, my rectus abdominis is awesome. And my, but it's really about being able to hold your energy hold your diaphragm, hold your spine and hold that posture. Because that was what, when I saw you, I was like, she literally looks like she could sit there in Lotus forever and have zero discomfort in her body as she does it. That's what was so anatomically exquisite. It was so obvious to me who reads energy. I was like, she's in no pain. And it has taken me a long time to sit couple decades to sit with that type of posture for long periods of time without just exquisite pain. And funny enough that when I started doing Sadhguru's inner engineering and I was forced to now sit in this, that's when this right hip started to bother me. And I was like trying every tool I had in the book. And I was like, I, I just can't get my right knee to come to the floor. It just won't come down. And that first night I used your block changed everything and i have that i have been trying prior to the car accident even it was my whole life i couldn't sit lotus as a young girl i couldn't sit lotus i just never was able to open my hips in that way we can call it irish lineage we could call it a lot of things probably but there was something a lot of things pulling on that area of my body and i was so frustrated and i got so I left all my frustration behind that night and I became just the word now is fascinated. It's so fascinating to me because I released that belly button. <laughs> I, the things that happened over the next few nights was hysterical because I was like, I can't wait to get home and start just using the blocks. I'm going to use them all, all, all over the place. I've been a little obsessed. I get a little obsessed with the blocks, but I just, the the shift in my body it is so vastly different and feels so much more fluid after opening that area that I have been struggling with. And unconsciously, you gave me the opportunity to open that diaphragm with the unblock. And now I have that core strength that I've been trying to get for like 20, I'm 49. So let's just say 30 years or so. Wow, that's amazing. And I'm so, so happy to hear that. Um, I'd love to chat a little bit about the cause sites as well yeah. in the flash, because um, as as we've already discussed, like it's really about keeping the flow. And with that, it really all comes down to tissue temperature. So when we're breathing with the diaphragm, we are essentially able to keep all cells in the body from the tip of the toes to the top of the head to the tips of the fingers heated properly. But again, and most people aren't starting from this space. They're starting from that upper chest breath. So this trolling motor, instead of that inboard motor, this weak motor that we're breathing with, we are cold. So the, the calves and the feet are the furthest from the engine. 
So the fascia grips and adhere with the greatest force in the spaces that are furthest at the, at the periphery. So, right. and, and when I'm assessing bodies, I'll look at a full body and I always look at which foot is acting like the flat tire. Because if you imagine your hips right here and your feet are here, if like correct alignment, we have foundations to support ourselves in exactly their position. And then the result of that would be optimal space, optimal space for ease of transfer into the cell, as well as detoxification. When we start getting manipulated. So if that right foot is the pronation, you might notice a greater bunion, you might stand with more external rotation, but it's getting basically pulled further away from the body. Unconsciously, our fascia is here to keep us upright. So it's wow. going to anchor that equal and opposite side. So now if I've got one foot doing this and the other foot anchoring, this is what's happening in the pelvis. We're getting... Explanation of, ten of tensegrity. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. So anyways, all of that internal space in the pelvis is getting taken away and then we get a ballooning of the lower abdominal area. That also causes the upper body to get pulled forward and twisted into the core. So the space between the pelvis and the ribs which doesn't have anything but the vertebrae as far as skeletal support. It is, I mean, it, it's here for mobility, but if we don't actually keep our system supported properly through proper postural foundation, then this is the area that we get manipulated the most and we collapse and we twist and then the psoas, you know, gets involved and, and has to become tense in order to keep us upright. So when it comes down to understanding core strength, if we don't have that alignment of the feet and the legs, then that whole core strength is going to be off. And I, I learned a long time ago, because again, I was doing those 400 sit-ups and all I'm doing is basically stacking um, superficial strength in a very twisted space. So it doesn't really help. It just, it creates stability, but now I can't move with ease and I'm going to have pain because the body is there's fascia around every single muscle and every single joint. And so what she's saying is, is the fascia is more, you know, torqued and twisted. It's a cage. Ellie calls it opening the cage that the cage that the, you can grow the muscle, you can, but it's still in a cage that's limited because it doesn't actually shift and change as we all are shape, shape shifters. It can't do that because of the adhesions. From this collapse and this over um, over time, you you keep doing the same thing over and over, and and you create such rigidity, it becomes more calcified and it becomes harder and dehydrated, and then cold and cold is so, old toxins. Yes, and I actually see the fascia, I think, a little differently than a lot of people. I see it as basically the cell membrane of every other cell membrane interconnected through this beautiful fluid matrix. So again, like, you know, people look at the body as a solid structure and we can see the organs and the bones and all the different parts, but everything is completely interconnected together through this communication system. So if I'm in perfect alignment lifelong, I've got the equilibrium of the elastin and the collagen spread throughout the fascia to give me both mobility and stability. So what happens if I'm not conscious of this and because the eyes are in the front of the head, we start tipping forward. We're dominant on one side, so we don't just collapse linearly. We spiral down over time. This is what aging is. But what happens to the collagen is it starts migrating to the areas of collapse to create false walls and false floors so I don't tip over. So now we have that dense hardness in the front of the body, and then the back of the body is under this huge stretch. So the cells start getting pulled apart, and there's not enough energy, so they become hard and stacked. So again, we become this rigid body that doesn't have a lot of mobility because of that migration of collagen. And we're always, you know, counterbalancing. So if I've been like, you know, pulling that collagen over here because I'm sitting this way, when I start moving around, there's going to be, there's going to be counter forces. So as we are born and you've got a baby that can put their leg behind their head with ease, what changes over time as we go through time is gravity's compressing us and pulling us out of balance. And if we're not conscious of this container and how to maintain that equilibrium of elastin and collagen, then we end up having, again, those that, that dense structure, which limits mobility, it limits flow, and then we have pain, aging, and disease as a result. Then we have pain, aging, and disease as a result. And age chronologically, yes, but aging physiologically, very, really 
<laughs> that's because this is she's 54 i'm gonna be 50 it like like fine wine we should age because we should be more conscious more um aware as we go through life so that we are not sabotaging ourselves and we are compensating consciously for all of the life stressors because if we fail to do it consciously, the body will do it unconsciously for us as the survival mammal versus the spirit mammal that's like aware and in the flow state and happy. <laughs> Regardless and if, of what's happening, it's happy. Exactly. And it really comes down to understanding how we reactively deal with pain, fear, and stress. Because it's it's 24-7. You know, it's not a kind world right now. It's We're being pummeled on every front. Pain, fear, and stress cause us to reactively hold the breath. So if you see a deer, for example, that survives an attack, they shake, they shake that energy out of their body and they create a reset. We as humans, we just kind of freeze. So now as we freeze, we shift that alignment to fascia around the diaphragm. Now we have less of that muscle. And if we don't release that, and people don't, that's where you age from. So if you had a traumatic event when you were five or 10 or 15 or whatever age it was, and you now... Um, deal with this compressed diaphragm, you're aging from that perspective of a lack of oxygen to cells. And oxygen is the first and foremost nutrient every cell requires. So if that's the case, then you age in that way. And we create these grooves in the fascia and every moment of every habit that we move forward in life, those grooves get deeper and deeper and deeper. And those grooves are also directly connected to the patterning of our thoughts. So I always like to share if um, the heart, of course, pumps the blood and the goal is to make sure every cell, every one of our trillions of cells in the body is receiving proper food, nutrients, oxygen, as well as being um, having the nutrient or the uh, byproducts of functioning, the toxins removed from that tissue. And again, that's that beautiful flow. So if we are collapsing through this journey, as we all are, now we have adhesions riddled throughout the body. And like scar tissue, basically adhesions are like slow-forming scar tissue throughout the layers of fascia as they hook, unlike a cut or a surgery or something that's in the moment. Either way, it slows the flow. So now you have cells that aren't receiving that life force through the blood. So because we have gaps in the system, now the brain isn't receiving all the information to live every moment as a unique expression. So now we get patterned into the memories. So if we had a traumatic event, and I'm going to share a story because when I was going through my yoga teacher training, I was really awakening to what was going on. And I was in a really good mood walking through a mall. And I happened to pass this older man. And when we caught a glimpse together, he scowled. Immediately, my gut churned because his look reminded me of how my father looked at me when he was disappointed. Now, fortunately, because I was doing this self-observation, I thought, wow, perhaps when he looked at me just at that moment, he got a shot of pain somewhere, which made his face, you know, scowl. I took it as it was my issue. But then as I walked away, I thought, I don't know this man. This likely has nothing to do with me. And if it even does, who cares? And I was able to reset that moment in my body. So I didn't get pulled into that anxiety that could have affected how I drove, how I communicated with my family on the other side. And so those things are so important to understand. We were viewing life through a damaged lens when we hold and store that trauma, but we can let that go so that we can actually go back to the moment and, you know, re review what happened and create a different story. And then again, the goal is to live each moment as a unique expression because it is. We don't have to fall into the same patterns over and over when we can let go of that negative breathing pattern that we've been locked into lifelong. It, and beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. And I, you know, quantum entanglement would lead us down the path of understanding that you were both supposed to be in that moment at that same time. So you could get that upgrade. And he was on his journey and got out of it when he got out of it. And it's not for us to judge and, and to love that person that incited that catalyst reaction to allow for the unfolding. And Yesterday, I was working on a client and my whole life, I love what you say about the feet and how I really fell in love with fascia was I I have a scar on my head and bioregulatory medicine, blah, blah, blah. 
And I had my scar injected and it literally, I slept on my back that first night. I was like, oh my God, I feel like my suit just got bigger and I don't have to put my head out here. And oh my God, this is all these things. It's like, whoa. And and then I went on and became this limp person and la, 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 la. And fascia was always there, but it was kind of in the background. And then I was like you, like, oh, I should probably teach this to a bunch of people. So maybe I should get a license to actually physically touch the body and not just use my biology degree. And so I think I'll go to massage school and I love anatomy physiology. It'll be fun. And it was the woman that came in to teach the fascia day, which I was so excited about. And the, she gave assessments and she looked at everybody. She goes, all right, if I fix your feet, I'll take care of all the rest of the pain. And I was like, oh, my God, I've been saying since the car accident, when I finally got out of pain after three years, I looked down at my feet and was like, what the fuck happened to my feet? Like, I, I didn't have feet that used to look like that. And I don't think I looked down for three years because I was so focused on the pain in my back that I didn't pay attention to my feet. And all of a sudden I was like, my pinky toes are going in. I got hammer toes. I got fucking bunions. Like, what the hell happened? And I had been struggling with all this body pain like princess in the pea kind of thing, not like chronic pain, but just like, oh, I slept wrong or I wore the right backpack or I saw I didn't have my pillow or like, holy cow, not living free. And all of a sudden she says this and I was like, oh my God. And then it was like comical. It was like the universe was like, my mentor from Switzerland called while the woman that created the, the neural therapy, her father w worked to create neural therapy and he's my neural therapy teacher. And he was like, oh, let's just call him to say hi and talk to him in six months, literally in the middle of the fascia class. And I was like, okay, I get the message. It's about the fascia. And so I've been looking forward to interviewing Deanna for months and it's been tough for my schedule and, and to get it connected. And of course, as it would happen yesterday, I was in my treatment room working on one of my sister wives, I call her, and um, not really my sister wife. I'm not Mormon. She's just a sister and a wife. We don't, she's my wife. I love her. She's my family. And <laughs> so patient. And anyway, she, I broke my toe. I, I, mean, I slammed it on this thing on this table and I could look at it from a physical perspective. Yes, I probably need to reorient my room because it's not the first time I've stuffed my toe on this table and it's really close to my other table and I have these cables between so I have to make sure. But I'm always walking around the, the table doing different things and I don't wear shoes. So, you know, I probably need to reorient my room on a physical level. But on a spiritual, emotional level, I'm sitting there going, okay, as I'm laying in bed last night feeling like I have a hot poker at the end of my foot, like, okay, what is this about? Because this is not... You lived on crutches basically your entire high school career between your ankle strains and your then you broke a leg and it's like your third toe you've broken and like what are you and you stub your toes and your feet are sensitive. I was like, I know who's gonna have the answer. Deanna Hansen is gonna have the answer. And she's <laughs> gonna share with me what I'm missing, what I need to release in my fascia. And of course it came to me as well, for those that know me that I'm probably not so grounded when I have somebody that I love so much on my table. I love all of you. And I have had to learn how to ground and not take on all of your feelings of your things. Well, this friend happened to be dragged by a horse a long time ago. And as with unwinding her fascia, after I broke my toe, I was like, oh, yeah, I think her right foot needs some help. That's the horse that dragged her, I remember, about 20 years ago. I need to go help her with that. So, like, you know. Share your wisdom with me, sister. Share me. Wow. Me. Amazing connection. So the, the toes are connected to the eyes. And um, I love it because um, one of the uh, series we have in our membership is the Pronator Corrector series. And I think this is probably one of the most important things to do because, yes, we've got 26 bones in the feet and we don't pay attention to these beautiful incredible structures that carry us through life because, you know, we can hide them with shoes. So it's not like we're looking at our face or our shape. But the feet are, there's an expression, death starts in the feet. So if we can keep these feet alive and active, then boy, oh boy, the rest of your life. And I do want to share, I do experience pain. In fact, after my yoga retreat, I came back and my back was tweaked. So it was funny because even this morning I'm, I'm getting up and I'm moving around. And I'm like, oh, like just kind of, it's bugging me. Like I'm feeling like it's, it's, you know, very fatigued. And I went on my blocks and I blocked my feet. And then I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I feel so different now. Like and I mean, it took me four days even to realize I got to be blocking my feet because I mean, we're all human, right? And I'm going to where the pain is. I'm like, geez, like I can't get rid of this little tweak. And then this morning I'm like, right, it's all about the feet. We know this. So 
with regard to your injury, acute injury is a beautiful opportunity to create a huge reset in your body because it's not like we're going to injure ourselves on purpose. But when you do have that, now we have all of this funneling of this beautiful inflammation. Inflammation is the gold again, but we do need to know what to do with it. So um, what I would have you doing is, of course, you have our starter program. If you had 90 minutes, I would jump into that 90 minute pelvis, legs and feet class because that's going to open up the channels from the belly through the hip flexors all the way down the legs, the back of the knee, the calves to get to your feet. Because what we want to do, first of all, you've had an injury. So like a car accident, there's going to be debris. So the first thing we need to do is we need to pull the debris out of the way. And then we need to be able to funnel all of those healing proteins and nutrients and oxygen to that site to rebuild it. So the second law of thermodynamics is nature abhors a gradient, which means when there's a gap in the system, nature's going to fill it in. So whether it's a fracture in a bone, a tear in a tendon or muscle fiber or a ligament, it's a gap. So the body and in its ingenious wisdom says, oh, okay, we need to repair it. We're going to send blood, but we need to do, we need to put energy into the body. We don't want to be icing because now we're freezing that state of injury and the gap is still there. So then what happens if we ice it and we slow that flow down is the netting of the cells, the fascia from all around it gets sucked in like a vortex into that space. So mm. it's like if I took a, a piece of my shirt out, like if I took a circle like that and I sewed it together, I've now changed the alignment of my shirt. What we want to do is we want to simply rebuild that tissue to its pre-injured state. So that's what happens when we actually utilize the inflammation. If you were going to bake a cake and you put in eggs and flour and sugar and oil and you mix it up, you have batter. If you put batter in the freezer, you have frozen batter. If you put it in the oven, you bake cake. So we need to add energy and heat to the system so that the body can do its job. And we don't need to know all of what the body's doing. It knows. We just need to support inflammation instead of stopping it. And so what I would do after doing that class is then I would take your fingers to whatever toe it is and I would put pressure directly around it and I would hold with your breath. And as in block therapy, talking. <laughs> yeah, so your breath is your guide. So that gives you again that power because if we're not breathing in that relaxed way, then we're not doing service to the injury. So you get to decide how much pressure and you'll notice that the pressure fibers kick in. They're larger than the pain fibers, but it can take a moment. So when you start applying that gentle pressure before long, you can go a little bit more intensely and we're not rubbing. We're simply adding pressure, just like on the block. We don't go on the surface. We want to melt through those layers. And then you help that inflammation get into those spaces. And it's like, you're, you're again, you're turning up the heat. You're turning up the energy so that it can rebuild all those cells. And the body is so incredibly efficient at doing that. So that would be the process. And then from there, you stand. And then, and I just took actually one of our instructors through this. She broke, well, she thought she had broken um, a meta metatarsal bone. And uh, probably didn't, but, you know, we had her walking the next day and she was astounded by the shift in the pain. So then you get on the ground and you slowly with your breath start testing it to the point where you want to move with the exhalation where the pain is. So if you're stepping off, that's when you want to connect the exhale, because again, you're moving the pain out of the body through that exhalation phase. So that's a really, really efficient way, no matter if it's a sprain, a strain, a fracture, and I'm not suggesting not to go to the doctor if somebody has a fracture, but there's things that you can do if you can't get there right away um, that will also create a completely different healing protocol than, um, again, the, the typical medical scenario of the rice method. I, I, Russ, ice, compress, and elevate. And I am so appreciative of this information, and I'm sure so many people are, because last night I elevated it. I didn't ice it because I... I never know why I've stopped icing, but now I know why, because my instinct is like for the last eight years or so, I'm like, no, you don't ice injuries. You don't, that this just doesn't make sense. There's something instinctual. I didn't, but I really didn't want to touch it because I kept saying it feels like a hot poker. So my body was sending all this heat and energy and I had, I have a lot of red light, a lot of, you know, light therapy. So I was using light therapy on it and I was rubbing my mind body matrix cream on it and but I couldn't touch, like I, my instinct, just for all of you to know, as the human mammal, I didn't want anything to touch it. I didn't want a sheet to touch it because it was so sensitive. And yet, as she said, as she started to talk, I was like, mm, she's going to tell me to touch the tongue. I'm going to go down and touch my neck. 
And it literally, as I was holding it, as she was touching it, it, this was my middle toe, my big toe adjusted while I was holding my middle toe while she was talking because it started to reset. And now I, I can, I'm very sensitive and I can feel like up in the metatarsals where, you know, I've been limping for 24 hours. So I, of course my mind is like, oh, you've got to fix this toe because then you're creating <laughs> counterbalance and court and then you're gonna have to work all that from your upper body. And, ugh. you know, it's not just that I injured something that it's going to create all this compensation all the way up that I don't. But I also know this is about all the reset that I had because I had my scar injected three weeks ago on the top of my head that I hadn't had in four years and Dr. Schaffner injected it for me. Yeah. Another thing you can do. So I'm sure this is all part of that. Totally. Um, So another thing you can do after that, and this is part of that pronator corrector series, I'm going to show my feet. Um, So Basically, we want there to be optimal space between all of the toes. And when the feet get manipulated, it really skews everything going up the chain. And then the tibia ends up getting rotated and pulled too much forward on the on the top of the foot. So by putting your finger between and holding for three minutes between each toe, you will be truly amazed when you get up and you step how different that foot is aligned and how it feels. So we want to do it with both feet to create that realignment. And then we want to grip and hold. So I always say like, if you can grip and hold after you release for 10 full slow exhalations, then you're integrating this new alignment and you're bringing the feet back to life so that we spring off the feet instead of being collapsed and manipulated, which manipulates everything up the chain. Oh, I, I, I was foot obsessed till I was about 16, 17 years old, like my mother would be like, you're going to stay home tonight and massage your feet. Uh-huh. Yep, that's what I'm doing tonight. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's what I want to do. And you are bringing me right back full circle to I am now going to be just, obs- I've been using yoga toes for 50, 20 years, probably, you know, yoga toes. And I yeah. think they're fabulous. Are, do you like those? I'm curious. I've never tried them actually. Because you don't need to, because you use your fingers. But that first time I used them, I was like, this is a torture chamber. And, but it changed. Like I was, I got done. It was like, I had a reflexology for 20 minutes. I'd walk and all this adjustment and was opening my fascia, of course. And this is, you guys do, you have to buy nothing. Do y'all have a thumb, a finger you can put right in between your toes, self-care over healthcare. And, you know, you're sitting there, you're watching TV, right? You're with your family. Now you're putting your finger between your toes. You're sitting up and I would like to say with Sadhguru's work, I just want to give him some credit because he, when I, when I was there, at, I literally watched all these people that really struggled to sit up because they only sit in chairs. And it is one of the biggest problems in humanity that we are not able to sit on the floor, that we are not able to sit on our bum and hold ourselves up. Yeah. And I encourage all of you to make this part of your life's mission because it will create flexibility and resiliency in your body like you have never, ever experienced before. And when you open up that flow state, as she said, you can trust the innate wisdom within. It will do all the things. You just need to facilitate the thing, facilitate it to be able to communicate it, to make it circulate everywhere it needs to go so that the oxygen, which always wins and what we can't live without for three minutes, to be able to circulate everywhere it needs to go to create that space because we are more space than we ourselves. And if people are struggling when they're sitting cross-legged to get their knees down, it's because of the alignment of the calves and the feet. So if you imagine if I took your arm and I internally rotate it and I hold it like this for a month, your shoulder's going to be exhausted and in pain. And if you go for a shoulder treatment, it might feel good for a minute, but if you release this, then we let it go. So when we're internally rotated with the arm, this is the the range I have. Suddenly bring it into right alignment and I've got full range. So same thing with those hips and the knees. If you're struggling to bring those knees down, the calves and the feet, the way the fascia manipulates and twists, holds that hip joint and knee joint out of alignment. So then you don't have that space to let everything fall into correct space alignment. Bloomed my mind just now. Bloomed my mind because I have been working on the hips to try to open the hips. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said in sitting Lotus, my issue was always until the last year, because I've done so much fascia work, I was numb from the knee down. Getting out of that. 
And, and that's where sometimes people get frustrated when they're going to other therapists because, I mean, no doubt the therapists are doing great work in the space. But then imagine if you create more mobility in a vulnerable space and you're still anchored in the cause site right. area. So then you create this mobility, but you're not letting the body release and adapt to that new space. And then that can cause, you know, more challenges for people at times. So we should all have, instead of monkey brains, we should have monkey feet. Exactly. <laughs> like and, to God, really. And that's you're grounded, like it's, it's that, that, amazing. That you're brilliant and you're, you're a gem and every single meaning of that word. And please show your fascia blocks briefly, because I think that they're so phenomenal and I... <laughs> I find them very hysterical. They're hard wood. Like I looked and at it, I was like, reasons. is she is she nuts? That Am just... I a masochist? Uh yeah. Um or and no, a yoga block will not do it. It might look like a yoga block. It will not do it because of the tech the, the the density. Density, yes. Thank you. Yeah. So bone and bone and wood, we have wood and bamboo. Bone and wood share a similar density um with each other. So when we're lying on the tool. We're basically getting this equi pressure from both sides. And so all of the tissue in between is getting heated. And that's how we melt those adhesions all the way to the bone. Plus, we also direct you how to follow the spiral pattern of everything in nature, the Fibonacci sequence. This is the Fibonacci sequence, the galaxies, the Nautilus seashells, how our body forms, but also how the body ages. So when we learn how to tap into that spiral pattern through the layers of fascia, that's how we go deep. And it's all based on your breath. Your breath is your guide. If anything hurts so much that it takes that relaxed breath away, that's your body saying, no, this is too much. And then we give options of um, using a bed or seated on a chair or using the smaller tool. Um, but that's the thing, like you can really trust your breath. It doesn't mean that if you're trusting your breath, you won't have a healing crisis because that's expected. We need to pull out the garbage and shift back to those proper alignments. So, I mean, Pain is pain, right? Like it's simply the other side of pleasure and it's it's simply a language of the cell. So when you can really learn to appreciate pain on purpose, it it takes you out of the pain fear spiral. So we're all caught on this pain fear spiral. If we don't understand it, it's like, oh my God, do I have, am, I, am I gonna die? Like, I mean, like whatever your brain takes you to in those scary moments. And I mean, we've all had them, but when you have a path and you connect to pain on purpose and you realize, wow, I just got rid of that sensation and now I'm going to go search for more. And then for more, you become a pain seeker. And so pain simply becomes a sensation, which you have a process to deal with as opposed to, oh my gosh, what's happening? I, I don't know how to touch. And then you get into that freeze mode and then you've locked your body even further out of alignment from holding the breath out of fear. I feel like it's opposite. You know, everybody's been talking about, oh, when's the new world starting? When's the it's now. And uh, I want to call it opposite world. So uh, everybody's <laughs> running from pain and she's after I become a pain seeker. And I, I literally like the second night after I had released my belly button, I just want to tell this quick story. I was like, I am going to find all the pain in my body and I'm going to just release it. And so I, of course, this is just me. I didn't watch all your classes because I just am a seeker and I'm just like, I'm going to see what I can do. And then I go watch your classes to see what I, that's just who I am, to see what I gathered from what you gathered and how it's different. So anyway, I, that second night and I'm putting it all, I'm like in my inner thigh. Oh my God, this is great. And then I'm up in my shoulder. Then I'm on my pack and I'm laying on my front. I'm laying on my back. And then finally I was like, you know, maybe I should just put it and lay on it on my sacrum and like just really open my pelvis. So I lay on my sacrum and it's probably at this point, I've been on your block for like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And I am so parasympathetic at this point and I'm so relaxed and I'm, you know, chest open, my pelvis, I feel so good and so flexible. I'm like, oh my God, my hips so open. This is the greatest sacral release ever. And I kind of fell I felt, and I'm such a meditator that I felt my body starting to lose space and time, right? And I'm Love starting it. to get into this into this place of like, oh, I think I'm going to fall asleep. I think I'm going to go into the space between space of space. And all of a sudden, I had the most magnificent experience in my physical body, one of the most magnificent experiences. It was 
I was so relaxed, my whole body. And then all of a sudden, it was like my sympathetic nervous system as it was slipping into this place of beauty and and surrendering. It was like, but you have a block under you and that is not safe. And my whole, it was not a muscle moved, not a muscle wow. moved. I felt my whole body electric, my whole fascia, like tighten, lift my body up off the block. And then I just relaxed back into it. And I started to laugh so hard. I was like, that was awesome. I felt my whole nervous system go, wait a second. You've been laying on this for about 20 minutes and maybe you should get off. This is probably past point. And it, but it was so cool to feel that contractile, um, you know, the elastin just go, no, we are protecting. And then instantly my brain was like, but you're not, you're okay. And I laughed and released it from oh my, my God. from my body instantly. And I went right back on the block. And then I had to roll up the block because I was laughing so hard that I was like, universe, love, source, God, light, I love you so much. I love you. I love all of you listening and watching. And I, I love it, all of it. And I, Want us all to just surrender to loving all of it and seeking the pain. Make this the opposite day that starts your life. All the decisions you've made, make them the opposite. Deanna, would you not agree that that's what you've learned to do since you started to work with the fascia? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's exactly what I do. If I'm told to do this way, I tend to walk in the other direction. And <laughs> that that typically serves. Because again, you're, you're listening inside. Um, and and I just want to share, I know we, we are wrapping up one one more thing that I, I loved Greg Braden's book, um, The God Code, because what he shared was on the surface cell of every membrane is the message God lies within. So what I love about this practice is as you are sinking through those layers and melting adhesions, you continue to connect more deeply to the cells that were previously out of your conscious awareness. And so you, as you create more space in your body, you're creating that understanding of why did God put me here and what are my gifts to share? So you start to hear what your cells are saying and you learn the language of the cell through this process. Because again, pain is simply a, a language. Anxiety is a language. All of these things are just the cells letting you know that, hey, mom or dad, you're not giving me enough attention. You're crowding me. I'm dehydrated. I'm exhausted. Whatever it is, your cell is giving you information. So when you start to view those negative sensations as gold, then you have a very direct roadmap inward to create your greatest potential for the rest of your time on this planet. So beautifully said. So beautiful. Thank you so much for your life's work and your mission to share it with the world because it would be, I know it was hard to go through that, but it would be an absolute shame if nobody knew what you knew and it took us longer to get it. So thank you for finding your gift and sharing your beautiful gift with the world. And we have links um, at the end of this. So if you want to link into Deanna's world, please do. What is your website? I actually don't know your website or any of that. I'm not that person that knows all that shit. Just tell, tell them all how to connect with you. <laughs> it's blocktherapy.com, but we also have a gift for your community, um, our sampler program using a rolled up towel. So there's nine videos that teach you all about fascia decompression using that towel. And then if that's something that you feel in your own body makes sense, you can certainly move forward to the to the other journey. But it's a great place to start because um, you'll feel it and you'll understand it right away. Absolutely. And that's what we want, right, is to feel because we are feeling beings that have a lot of thoughts. We are not thinking beings that have a little feeling. We have a lot of feelings and let's all become monkey feet instead of monkey minds. <laughs> Here, here. I love it. <laughs> love you all. And thank you for sticking with us through this whole show. I know it was monumental for you. And I look forward to hearing from all of you of how this too has begun to unwind and change your life because that is the best gift we get is when we get to hear from you and how this work has affected and shifted things for you because that's the point of all of this. So this is our love to you. From our hearts to yours. We'll see you next time at The Flow. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Flow. If you took something from today's show, please make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. I want you to step away empowered 
enlightened and having an increase in value and your vibration, knowing that your body has the innate ability to heal so that you can attain true wellness. Thank you. And we'll see you on the next episode of Flow.